Welcome to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. Chris shares don't sweat wisdom to help you achieve greater mental health, self-compassion, and better communication with family, friends, and coworkers. Listen in and learn simple ways to live your most vibrant life of joy. Hi, and welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Before we begin, let's go ahead and take our golden pause. So wherever you are, sit comfortably. And again, if you're driving, just pay attention to the road. I don't want you closing your eyes or doing anything that's going to put you in danger. Just use this as a breathing and presencing exercise. So let's go ahead and begin. If you're seated cross-legged on the floor, that's perfectly fine. If you're seated in a chair, just uncross your legs and place your hands open on your lap and just begin to breathe with me. So take a deep breath in through your nose, allowing your chest and your belly to fully expand, taking in the fullness of your breath. And as you exhale, just let go and relax sinking into your body, sinking into your breath. This time as you breathe in, breathe in golden sunlight, pure golden sunlight to every cell of your being, to the tips of your fingers and your toes, to the top of your head, through your core, picture pure golden sunlight. And as you exhale, just relax and sink a little bit deeper. This time as you breathe in golden sunlight, pure golden sunlight, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart, and just spend a moment thinking of something that you feel incredibly grateful for. Could be anything. Could be just this moment to yourself right here, right now, and in your breath. And just spend a moment breathing in that pure golden gratitude. And as you take in one last single breath of golden sunlight and gratitude, on the exhale, go ahead and open your eyes. So I love that golden pause. It's such a great reminder to all of us that We get so excited and revved up, but it's really just equally wonderful to feel calm, relaxed, and peaceful, and a golden pause can do that for you. It's such a simple gratitude exercise, just brings you right into your body and into your breath. It also helps you become a lot more responsive to life and less reactive to life, which is the part that I love. Because I don't know about you, but whenever I'm really reactive, I don't feel so good about the things that come out of my mouth. (laughs) But when I'm more responsive, I'm pretty pleased with myself. So I have a really special guest today that I'm so excited to introduce you to and talk with. Um, His name is TJ. TJ is the author of the international best-selling book, If You Think You Can... 13 Laws That Govern the Performance of High Achievers, sold in 34 countries. Yay! TJ is the author of If You Think You Can for Teens and The Secret of the Slight Edge, 
Additionally, he has co-authored numerous leadership and mindset development curriculums, including Maximizing Human Performance, The Success Formula, and The Power to Shape Your Life. TJ is also the author of the first Swiss Family Robinson sequel in over 100 years. The 416-page novel is titled Return to Robinson Island. TJ's mission is to inspire people to unleash their greatness within. Welcome, TJ. I'm so excited to have you on today. Hey there, this is a privilege. Thank you for having me on your show. And just for the record, I love that golden pause. It just is <laughs> awesome. You set me up for success today. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I just want y'all to know that TJ has an amazing podcast that I'll ask him to talk about. Um, it's really one of the top rated podcasts in iTunes called Unleash Your Greatness Within. And that's how I met TJ. Um, we reached out to him uh, during my book launch and, and he was so gracious to have me as a guest on his show. And we had a really wonderful conversation, which is why I really wanted to bring him here and share him with you all. So TJ, before um, we launch into like our topic today, which is going to be all about how um, it's altogether possible that even if you're in tragedy right now or you're in a big life change and circumstance, you could actually be broken up into your greatest human potential and, and also about how you reinvent yourself after something like that. But first of all, I'd just love for you to share something a little bit vulnerable and personal with our audience about yourself, about your story. How did you come to be a podcaster and an author and like, what was it that, what was that main event in your life that rocked you into that world? That's a really good question. I, w I came from a family, a big family of eight kids and I'm number two of eight and I'm an army brat. So my dad was in the military and we moved all over the place. But I remember on military income and eight kids, finances were really tight. And I remember as a 15 year old, I went in my dad's bedroom, probably looking to take money off of his dresser, when I noticed a tape sitting on his dresser that someone had given to him. It was a copy tape. And on one side, I remember, I still have it today, in my dad's handwriting, it said, the day that turned my life around. And on the other side, it said, how to live financially independent. Now, I didn't think my dad ever listened to that tape, but I took that tape, I put it in my pocket, I went upstairs, I put that tape in a Walkman. If your listeners remember what a Walkman is, I put that in, a, in my Walkman. I laid on my bed and that first month I listened to that tape over and over and over. And it was by a gentleman named Jim Rohn that maybe some of your listeners may recognize. He was what I consider one of my first teachers in the personal development world. But it was in those late nights I decided I want to do what Jim Rohn is doing. I want to do what Jack Canfield, I, I want to do what you're doing, right? And so I just decided early on that's what I was going to do. And I just designed my life around it. And long story short, I almost lost everything later in my early 20s. We were married and I almost lost it all. And in my darkest moment, I thought, what am I going to do? I've tried everything on the planet to make my speaking business and everything work. And it just, it just seemed like it was not working. Mm. And my wife said, what are you going to do? You should go get a job. And I knew logically I should go get a job. We have a family here. Um, 
But I thought before I do that, I'm going to exhaust every idea that I've had. And there was one more idea that I hadn't exhausted because it was overwhelming to me. And that was to write a book. So I went to my wife and I said, honey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a book. Mm. And she says, you're going to do what? Have you even read a book? No, not really. She didn't say that. <laughs> but I, she said, and I, she wrote me a four-page letter. That's this is a little vulnerable. So she wrote me a four-page letter that said, honey, you need to think through this. Make sure it's the right decision. You've never done something like this before. How do you know if it'll work? Blah, blah, blah. But in my gut, I thought this is my last like stake. You know, I had to, to do it. And so we had almost lost everything financially. We had a car repossessed. It was it was a bad it was a bad time. And um, but it was a good time because of what happened out of it. Um, I took the one car we did have. It happened to be summertime. My kids were three and five years old at the time. My first two children and. Um, I went down to the local grocery store parking lot, parked my car, took my laptop, sat in the back of the car, and for two months, I typed and typed and typed, and um, two months later, that book was published, and the rest is history. I was So many doors opened after that. I got a call from one of the people I asked to endorse it, said, Fortune 500 company, said, would you come speak at our national convention, and can you have books available? And I thought, no problem. How big could this national convention be? Not probably too big. I said, how many books would you suggest that we have delivered or, you know, to your offices? And the gentleman, the founder said, we will have over 15,000 people at that event. And I started to sweat. I said, no problem. But I didn't know I was going to get the money to print those books. So I called my brother, Steve, who lent me the money. We went down there, spoke, all those books were sold and the rest is history. So that was sort of a Long, long answer to your question. No, that's a great answer. You know what I love about that is for people listening, you know, a lot of times when you're an entrepreneur, it's when you think that you're almost done, you don't think you can go any further. A lot of times what, what is happening at that point is that you, you have to press on, you have to go a little bit further because most people quit at that time. And when you stay in the game just a little bit longer and you put, you just keep on because you're just so called so deep within that usually you are just about over the hump. And, you know, we, we kind of had a similar experience in Richard's career, TJ, where about um, seven years into his career as an author, he was really wearing a lot of hats. He was doing something called happiness training. He was working with people and he, um, he also, he'd written a book in a year. It was about, I think it was about his maybe fourth or fifth book, mm-hmm. maybe sixth book. It was called Shortcut Through Therapy. And um, that book, he, that was prior to proposal writing. And so he had written the whole book and it sold for $5,000. Yeah. And it just really killed us financially. Like he was so despondent. And he said, you know, the same thing. He's like, I didn't say it to him because I knew his love was writing. But he was like, Jesus, I might have to go get a real job. Like, seriously, yeah. we are in trouble. We're, we're getting more and more in debt. I don't like this trend. You know, we, I might need to go get a real job. And I, we were at a restaurant. And I said, honey, you can't do that. You love writing. You, you know, you, you, you just can't do that. You have to keep going. 
And he was really despondent. Well, I had um, driven home ahead of him in my own car and I walked in the door and we had two young kids at the time and the phone rang and I went to pick up the phone and I said, hello. And the woman on the other end said, hi, this is Alice McGee from the Oprah Winfrey show. Um, you know, the strangest thing just happened. I was bent down in the, the library and looking for a book on stress management. Your husband's book popped off the top shelf and hit me in the back of the head. Mm. Be happy no matter what. She said, is he around? Do you think that he could be on a flight tomorrow to be on the Oprah Winfrey show? And this probably happened at the very moment Richard said he was about to quit. And I, he walked in the door and I said, hey, honey, do you think you could be on the Oprah Winfrey show tomorrow? Do you think you could fly to Chicago? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, and it was like a real sign for us that, um, yes, he had to keep going. Now, that particular show, he was just on a panel that wasn't. Um, it wasn't just him. So it didn't make like a monumental difference in his book sales, but what it did was it gave him the confidence. It showed the world. He was an up and comer. Oprah had chosen him. She sat there right on, on the air. She loved him right away. She, she was so like shy and humble. And she was like in the break, she said, all right, y'all, I want y'all to shut up. I want Richard Carlson to say something. He's like, she's like, Richard, what are you nervous about? There's only 20 million people watching. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. But you're right. I mean, how many times you've seen it with people you've worked with? I know with people that I've worked with over and over, I find there's those that will we'll trust the unknown and trust what they're doing and following their heart. But I think life, like I believe I, it's not my job as a parent to tell my children. Now, now take, listen to the spirit of what I'm about to say. It's not my job as a parent to tell my children what they can't do. I believe life will tell them what they can't do. And those that win are those that trust their conscience, trust what they're feeling internally, their heart, whatever their heart calling is, right? And then they persevere until, and it, it, it will not come without obstacles. And if your audience needs to re be reminded of that, right? Obstacles are part of the process. That's what weeds out those that succeed in achieving their goals and dreams and those that don't. Yeah. It's, it's always like, I even watched this with my younger daughter, Kenna, you know, about about the time, you know, she's always about ready to just cave it in on something and just screaming and shouting and going down. Something happens sure. and it's just, it opens up, you know, and something, it's like she's had enough and then she, it opens up for her. And a lot of times, you know, I've had that experience too in my life where I, you know, try something and I keep trying and it's not quite working out. And then suddenly something shifts and it, and it opens up, everything falls into place. But what I want to sort of move over to is a lot of people that are listening are either, they're usually like in my listeners, there's a, a huge group of people that might've just gone through a really large change and transition and are wondering, like, how do I reinvent my life now? Like, I, I'm like, been in this career. I am so not happy here anymore. But I've got all this time vested. And I'm, you know, maybe 40 to 50 years old or older. And how do I switch from a career that I don't like 
to something that I do like, or I've gone through a divorce and now I find myself back in the career world and I have to figure out what it is I'm good at, what it is I want to do. How do I want to spend my time? Because, you know, just this whole thing about you writing the first Swiss Family Robinson school. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's where we need to go. Like, where did that come from? <laughs> okay, so this is, this is a fun story. So when, at the time, when, before I wrote my first book, If You Think You Can, things were so dark that we were living in the basement of my parents' house. And my kids, as I said earlier, were three and five years old. And one night I said, hey, have you got, they, I knew they had never seen the Disney version of Swiss Family Robinson. And I watched that as a kid. I mean, I don't know how many times. Great movie. So I, I, I pulled it out, put the VH t- tape in and um, we, we watched it. Their eyes were glued to it. I, as I was sitting there watching, it was about the same time that Pirates of the Caribbean was doing their remake and so forth. And so as I was sitting there, I think I Googled, I don't remember exactly what I did, but I searched something online to see, has anything been done on Swiss Family Robinson in the last few years? I mean, the movie we were watching is a 1960 version, right? So this thought was in my mind as they were watching it. We get done with the movie. I tuck them into bed, give them lovies and tell them I love them. And then I go to bed. And then at one o'clock in the morning, I woke up literally wide awake with a whole story of a sequel in my mind's eye. Wow. And so I thought, okay, that's pretty vivid story right there. I'm going to get out of bed. So I went out, I got out of the bed, pulled out my laptop at one o'clock in the morning, and I typed bullet points and thoughts and ideas down for, until about 5.30 a.m. or something. And then I went back to bed. I was glad that I captured those ideas, which is a principle that I teach. You got to capture those ideas when they come to you um, because they may never come back. And so... But we were failing at the time, so I wasn't going to spend my time writing um, potentially a movie script or something, right? So it was a few months after that that I wrote If You Think You Can, and I had put those notes on hold. Well, about 13 years later, this impression came to me that said, TJ, go grab those notes, chicken scratch, and write the book. Oh, cool. And I thought... Oh, man. So I took about a year sabbatical, which was tough. I had some speaking engagements and so forth in there. but And I just, with a team, just went to work. I wrote all 40 chapters. And then you never write a book, I don't think, completely by yourself, right? I have people that help me make it better than I can make it myself. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. So I, so there was a lot of effort that went back and forth and then it, it came out and, and it, but I had to do some research and it cost me a little bit later on as I had to get um, attorneys involved and so forth to make sure that I had the rights to do it. Oh, yeah. So a number of things played into that to make sure it was all legal and everything else. But yeah, it's a it's a it's an actual sequel where the kids before are now adults and they have their own life. Yeah. Oh my god, I can't have to pick that up. I love that story as well. Well, and there you have it. You know that that was a bit of a reinvention on your part, wasn't it? Total reinvention. And it, and, and here's the interesting thing: it was outside my normal business. It was a left field. Exactly. But you follow your heart, right? Yeah. And that probably really inspired you, you know, in a way, inspired your creativity and was oh, for sure. a passion project. 
Oh, you wouldn't believe uh, probably the greatest thing that happened for my wife is how much I watch Pride and Prejudice because I had to uh, <laughs> learn the English, the English language and the vernacular of romance and all. Loving <laughs> <Yeah>, that. <laughs> oh, yeah, she was. Oh, man, it was awesome. But, you know, and I had to learn some things. I had to learn. There were things about the early 1800s that I did not know, like a woman's hair was typically in a bun. It wasn't down hell you know down their backs you know so just little things like that nuances I had to figure there was a lot of learning that went into it actually oh yeah oh that's so cool I I kind of in the back burner of my creative world that's something that I feel very inspired to do someday as well is to work on some sort of fictional piece of writing and just because it would be such a huge challenge you know like just I'm I just think it'd be so much fun and it would be a huge challenge so I love that so let's let's dive in, you know, so what what do you say to people within the scope of your teachings about, you know, kind of the steps to how do they get their bearings in their life when they're in that stage of, of not knowing what to do? I, I know a lot of people like this and, you know, they're they're very talented people, but they're scared to leave. Um, something that they have or they're scared to leave a relationship. But let's let's like keep it to career maybe for now. Like what 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 can you say to people about how to think about um, stepping out of their current situation and into a new one? First of all, those feelings of fear, anxiety, tension are normal. And every person who's achieved their goals and you look at them out there and you think their world is perfect. First of all, nobody's world is perfect. Um, but it's pretty amazing. Uh, it's about trusting in the unknown enough that you'll step into the unknown and then be there long enough that the unknown starts to feel comfortable. It's a comfort zone issue. We don't have a whole lot of time here to go over the details, but I was running on a run this morning and I was thinking I should tell your audience, here's a couple things they should do. Number one, choose to believe that you have the capability and that you don't need all the evidence. Um, you don't need to, to, to prove that you have the ability to go achieve a new goal or a new dream or have success after this or that, whatever. So I was running and I was thinking, you know what I should tell folks to do is one of the things I do is I have a playlist of music. And I will, I mean, and it's the kind of music that is... It's a little bit of Michael Bublé, Hans Zimmer, right? <laughs> I, I've got, I, I, there's, you know. It's all over the place. It's all over the place, but it's, it's, it's music that puts me in a subtle but inspirational place where I feel like um, I can think bigger. I mean, how many times have you had a stressful day and you got in your car and your favorite song came on and the stress melted away for three minutes? Yeah, that's true. Right? So we can use as a tool to think a little bit bigger than our circumstances and then start taking notes and putting them down. So that's, you have to get back to your why, W-H-Y. What is your purpose? Because I know if we're talking about careers, there's many people that, because of life circumstance, have had to go get a job and they did the job and they did a good job. But now they're reaching another point in their life where they don't feel uh, that their talents and abilities and intelligences and capacities are being utilized. So inch by inch, everything is a cinch. You know, yard by yard, it's hard. So take, take some time out for yourself. 
use music to spur on some creative thinking, start putting some goals out there, and then piece by piece start moving toward achieving those goals is maybe a quick suggestion I would have for them. Yeah, and how important is it to be able to ask for help when you're in that situation too? Huge. To ask the, the, your network around you, you know, if you're going to go through a big change and transition to know that, you know, ask for their support. I totally agree with that. Those that are trusted advisors and friends, you know, W. Clement Stone once said, don't share your goals with anybody except those who believe in you, believe in your vision, and want to help you get move closer to that goal. So be mindful of who you share it to because there are dream killers out there. Oh, totally, totally. Well, I, I love those suggestions and they really, you know, they always hit home for me. I have a program called What Now? And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a program designed to help people move through that, that place of waiting that so many of us get stuck in, you know, that right. place of like not understanding which way to move or which direction to move. And I'm very much attuned as you are to looking at the unknown as actually the most creative space that you could possibly be in. And it's something that I learned too. You know, I learned um, that as well, that it, you know, the unknown was always really a scary thing until I found myself in it and in it a lot. Mm -hmm. And then I started to think of, wow, you know, all I have to really do is shift my fear which as you say is normal, but shifted into excitement. You know? Energy, yes. yes. And I now know that if I don't feel a little bit scared when something um, mm. challenging me, then it's not going to hold my interest and it's probably not worth my while. That the fear is actually telling me this is where I need to go. This is what's challenging to me. This is what excites me. And I, I immediately turn that fear into excitement. And I, because I have that understanding that, you know, um, fear comes up from the ego. Usually the ego doesn't always want you to um, move in a new direction because the ego wants to keep you safe. And, you know, and as you lean into those fears and you use it as a guidepost, it's actually quite a remarkable navigational tool. And I, I think it's amazing because as soon as I lean into a fear, then I find on the other side of that fear, my most authentic expression. And when you're in your authenticity, then that's when everything flows, you know, because you're in your passion, you're in your purpose, you're really attuned to your why, um, you're in, attuned to your highest self. So I just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Do you have any, um, can you just share with my listeners your website? What, what are you promoting right now? What would you love to lead people to at this time? So I would say um, my website is greatnesswithin.com. It's my mission, my passion to help people unleash their greatness within. And we have some tools to do that. We have individual coaching. You know, I've always had a select um, finite, I don't even advertise it, a group of people that I coach. And, um, you know, if anybody's interested in some side coaching uh, by, from me directly, I'd be happy to do that. Just reach out to us by going to our website and contact us. But also, hey, go to my podcast, Unleash Your Greatness Within, and we put up motivational and inspirational stuff all the time to help you move closer to your goals. So, Thank you, TJ, so much for being on the podcast. And I want to thank all of our listeners, too. 
please share this podcast with everyone you know. It will inspire them. And I hope that you've enjoyed listening and please come back again. Thanks, TJ. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff. Christine's new book, From Heartbreak to Wholeness, The Hero's Journey to Joy, is available at all major booksellers. Visit from heartbreaktowholeness.com with your receipt of purchase to receive some fabulous free bonuses. That's from heartbreaktowholeness.com.